Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Well, welcome everybody to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler. Excited to be here with you and with my co-host, the one and only Matt Sorensen. Oh, sorry, we got a little technical difficulty. We got that fixed there. Matt, welcome. Gosh, sorry, little. Uh, there you are, right? Hey, yeah, I'm here. Excited to be here with the Kohler Nation. Ooh, Kohler Nation. That sounded very Colbert. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to be. Yeah, yeah. You're, the, you're at that level now, so. You burned oh, it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm certainly at the you know Stephen Colbert level. That's right, boy. We're, we're yeah. it's all downhill from the rest of the show, folks. I want you to know that. Was, yeah, yeah. Just talking about now you're going to fall hard. Yep. There you go. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, well, welcome everybody. For any of you that are a new listener, welcome to the show that's changing lives, saving. A, People's Americans' dreams, uh, saving taxes, protecting your assets. We're here every week talking about ways to help your business succeed. Uh, we're glad you're here with us. Uh, this is, of course, previously the Mark Kohler Show. Now it's the Refresh Your Wealth Show. You're probably catching this on recording. If uh, you've heard that Refresh Your Wealth uh, name, we will be launching the new show July. I think that's July 2nd, right, Matt? Gosh, I'm going to get sure the right date here. Um, yeah, July 2nd is the new show. Woo! Yeah, refresh your wealth. It's going to be very refreshing. Um, but seriously, mm. we put a lot of time and thought into the new show. Excited to launch it. And uh, um, I think you guys are going to like it and really enjoy it. Yeah, it's good stuff. We've got great um, guests coming on today. Um, we're excited about our regular tax and legal tips. We've got Kelly Roach joining us on ways to increase the sales of your business. Who doesn't want to do that? I mean, that's like a no-brainer. So we're going to have a wonderful chat with her on that. And, uh, yeah, it's just I think I'm, I'm glad you're here, folks. I think you're going to love it. All right. Well, let me start going over some announcements here. And we really want to draw everyone's attention to the newsletter because uh, we're writing some really important articles, I think, that are uh, covering a lot of important topics for you guys as small business owners and how they're trying to live the American dream. And um, let me just note, there's a lot of speaking engagements coming up for Mark and I. Um, we're traveling around the country between from California to New York to Phoenix to New Jersey. I mean, Hawaii. We're all over the place right now. So um, check out those dates. If you want to see us speak, we're speaking on tax and legal topics, um, self-directed retirement plan topics. A little too much to even try and download for you now, but I just wanted to highlight that for everyone. And I want to keep everyone's attention to this. It's been a major point in our office for the last month. It is our Memorial Day estate planning special. We run it from May 15th to June 15th. We have significant discounts on estate planning. You can get an estate plan done for a married couple. 
trust, wills, powers of attorney, living will, all those documents for $899. Um, single persons is $699. It's a killer deal, uh, no pun intended. And, um, and keep in mind, <laughs> I didn't even mean that this came out. And I was no, like, that was oh. amazing. See, it's uncanny. It's uncanny. Wow, we got to use that next year. <laughs> yeah, all the marketing. So. Oh, it's, uh, it, but, it's a genius move. Yeah, so for everyone who's going to live forever, you don't need to worry about this. For the rest of you, get your estate plan and done if you haven't already. We've, we always get a lot of response on this, and um, it's really a good time to take care of a discount and give you that extra motivation to get this done because I know it's, uh, it's low on a lot of people's list, yet it's an important thing we all need to get taken care of. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, um, for those that are catching this on recording, you may be saying to yourself, hey, I missed that estate planning special. We do it once a year where there's 25 to 30% off our regular prices, but that's okay. Get your crap together. Let's get your estate plan and your, tr- your tax returns and your entities all coordinated. It's all included in that strategy session with several strategy sessions with lawyers helping you uh, do your estate plan around the country. So good stuff. Now, now, Matt, even though you may, you know, that was – that was a great little analogy or you know euphemism, something that you pulled off there. That was good, but I, I wanted to just point this out. Last night, okay, I just you know I, the the truth comes out. Last night I was at my my little girl's uh, piano recital, and it, it was pretty good. And I, I I played the piano as a kid. I think some I don't know if some of you know that. I my mom made me take seven years of piano, so which uh you know escalated into me being a band buddy. So I was kind of a nerd for a while, but. I broke out of that, which I tried. Some may not agree that it ever occurred. But anyway, so I was at this piano recital, and it was it was really interesting. The teacher was talking about how she just finished a doctorate in music, and she was talking about a new um, lecture she's giving on how if you, as a child, many of you listeners may appreciate this if you're a musician, that if you uh, played piano or a musical instrument as a child or for uh, throughout your I guess your rearing years, uh, your brain develops even faster. So, Matt, you can be a better multitasker and get more things done because your brain can move with like the music and whatever. You're just you're five percent. Your brain's five percent larger, and and you're just a better multitasker and problem solver. So, because I played piano, I thought I'd have some of it, somewhat of an edge today. And but she did say guitarists, like electric guitar players, actually get dumber. So. I don't think that works for you. So <laughs> that's based on people I know that play electric guitar. That seems pretty accurate. It's an unscientific <laughs> sample, but and maybe there's oh, yeah. uh, I pr- some certain uh, non-medically prescribed drug use happening that's also a contributing factor there. But <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, now, and I may I may have offended some of it. You may not know Matt Sorensen is you know a, a world famous guitarist. He has his own band. I mean, this guy rocks. So that yeah. was a little dig at Matt. Not for you other guitarists out there. So just so you know. Yeah, yeah, world famous. I mean, let's just say dozens of people have seen me play guitar. <laughs> dozens. <laughs> <laughs> world it's more than dozens. But, yeah, it's a, there's a few. Dozens and dozens. Well, anyway, okay, back to this newsletter. Hey, this newsletter every week is packed with blog articles and videos. I, I recorded a video on which retirement plan is bad for your business. It's a life changer, you know, the SEP IRA 401k simple stuff. It's a great little video. You can look, on, look at the link there. I've got some articles out there, but um, 
on silent partners, LLCs in different states, what do we do? But the article I loved, and I wanted Matt to highlight this for a minute, was his Pet Law Basics. I mean, this was a really cool article, and I didn't know there was so much you could write about on that, Matt. I was kind of shocked, surprised. Yeah, you know, Pet Law Basics. I mean, I did write a business article this week on, you know, when to register your entity foreign in another state. So if you're doing business in another state, when do I need to register? I know. So um, <laughs> I, too, was more interested in the Pet Law Basics topic. <laughs> I, I do own a, a nine-year-old chihuahua um, named Charlie. So, you know, I, I need to know this stuff as a responsible pet owner. So, but, but I think this is kind of interesting, and I do always, not always, I occasionally get questions about this, and it's something that not a lot of people write about because it's hard to make money on, so I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flesh this out. So, I talked about what, you know, what you need to know about owning a pet and buying a pet. Now, you may not know this, but there are some pet lemon laws out there. If you buy a pet from a, a puppy mill or whatever, or a store, for example... Really? I didn't and, know this. And and you want to return the pet because there's a defect in the pet. Typically, it's a, uh, an illness or something like that. Um, you can return the pet and and get a refund for that. And you can even get vet, veterinary costs, veterinary uh, medical costs reimbursed to you um, under those pet lemon laws. So. Wow. Now, you can't return the dog if you if you buy a Great Dane and it takes monster dumps. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And you're surprised by that. That's not a basis for returning the pet. But um, uh, but if it's an unknown medical condition or a hereditary disease that the pet has, in all seriousness, um, and that does happen. I have actually had that happen to us when we bought a dog uh, previously. Long story short. But anyways, um, here another one. Owning a pet, you need to learn some certain rules about owning a pet. Like you can't leave a pet in a locked car. A lot of states have restrictions on leaving a pet in a mm. locked car, particularly if you're here in Phoenix, Arizona, where it gets very hot. That's a dangerous condition for a dog. And I also wrote about um, death and divorce. Who gets the pet on divorce? That's a big topic. Um, it, it gets litigated, believe it or not, a lot more than you would think. And so I put out what do the courts typically look at there. And then, of course, talked about um, having someone care for your pet upon your death. And um, for a lot of people, particularly who live by themselves or maybe, you know, second of a spouse to die, they may have a pet that, you know, keeps them company and, and that they care about. And so putting in some provisions on that is helpful. Um, we all may remember Leona Helmsley, the billionaire who left her pet dog. I think it was a, some type of terrier, like $15 million in a trust fund. Um, that's a little over the top, obviously, but um, maybe just identifying who's going to take care of that pet and giving them a little bit of money to, to cover any costs for taking care of that pet. Gosh, power-packed article. I love it. Great little tips about pets. I um, We, in, our, in fact, are a state planning packet. We have a section where we talk about who do you want to receive your pet and do you want to set up a little pet trust. Maybe it's only five or $10,000. Uh, right. I always make sure that I put in there that uh, guardian of your pet only gets the money if the pet survives year to year. If they, uh, you don't give the money out to your guardian right upon your death, they have to earn it. I'm always anxious to see that new guardian of your pet on December 31st giving mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation to your pet so they can get their paycheck on January 1st. But, you know, whatever <laughs> it takes to, you know. Get that monthly that, or that annual stipend for being the guardian. You got to keep them alive. 
So you only get your only your guardian only gets their money if they keep your pet alive. So uh, okay, well, great article and. And I, I joke about it too. There are so so many pet owners in America and have no plan for their so who's going to take care of their pet when they pass away. Uh, I know some of you may be thinking that's not uh, something you, you know that you'd even think about, but you would be shocked how many pets are euthanized each year because the pet owner passes away, grandma's gone, and little Fluffy's running around the house, and who gets to take Fluffy down to the pound? You know, Grandma's excited. She sees Fluffy, you know, a few minutes later up in heaven. They're like, what the hell happened to you? I don't know. I was just walking around. You know, was, the funeral was over, and uh, here I am, you know. And so Grandma's not happy, but, you know, keep that in mind. you got to do some planning. Yeah, it's not pretty. Well, that's crazy. Well, so. uh, keep in mind you can register for the newsletter on any of our sites, on Mark's site at markjkohler.com, on my site, sdrahandbook.com, or the law firm site or accounting firm site. So, um, stay up to date on these articles. We're trying to write something out to be helpful to you each week on interesting topics that apply to your business or your personal lives and um, trying to give you informative, accurate information that won't bore you and put you to sleep but um, can be meaningful in improving your life and helping you live the American dream. Yeah, love it, love it, keeping it real. Well, let's move to one of our tax tips. For those number folks, That this is not all just warm and fuzzy, you know, talking about our pets and and uh, speaking engagements, all this fun stuff. We're going to jump into some tax topic, uh, a tax topic for a moment. Um, we've got a regular contributor, Rick Taylor, coming on the show with us today. He's uh, one of our managers and a CPA at our office in the thriving metropolis of Cedar City, Utah. He's uh, a huge asset to our firm. He's very, very bright. Whenever I have a research problem, I send it to him because I know I'm going to get a straight answer and Mark Kohler is known sometimes to be cautiously aggressive, so I always bounce things off Rick. I love it. So um, let, without any further ado, Rick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on the show today, Mark. Hey, you bet. Well, what do you got for us? Any sexy, cool tax tip? I don't know. Can you say that all in one sentence? I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> it's going to be the sexiest words and coolest. never been used together. <laughs> yes, <laughs> words that have never been used. <laughs> That's a first. Yeah. <laughs> At least seven words that have been used together with no result whatsoever. So, anyway, so, so uh, what do you got? Um, I got something today that we we generally talk about towards um, the year end um, and maybe even into the January of the following year. Um, what I, I got a, a, an email the other day from a, a lady that was looking to open up a business and she says, hey, Rick, what, what are some of the things I need to look for? Or what are some of the things I need to be aware of? Um, and one thing that I told her that I want to talk about today is, is the W-9, um, giving W-9s to your vendors in order for you to prepare 1099s. Um, everybody knows that 1099s are, are a requirement if you pay a vendor over $600. Um, and so that that's what I want to kind of let everybody be aware of today is um, even though it's just the middle of the year, you ought to be thinking about giving um, W-9s to, to your vendors in preparation for um, giving them 1099s at the end of the year. Well, that that's a great uh, topic. And a lot of people uh, oftentimes pay their subcontractors and then think that their subcontractor is going to willingly sign a W-9 after yeah. the fact. Right. 
So what do we that, do in that dangerous situation? territory? <laughs> yeah, dangerous territory. Get the W nine before you give them the paycheck. But what do you what do you do, Rick, in a situation um, as an accountant when your client shows up and says, "I want to take a deduction. I paid these two or three yahoos, and they won't give me a W nine, or I forgot to get it. I don't know what their social is. I need to send them a ten ninety nine, but I want the write off. What do you do?" Um, you know, actually, that's that's funny you, you asked that. I was just talking to an IRS agent the other day, um, and I asked him that exact question. I said, is a, is a deduct, can you take a deduction if, if you don't have a W-9, if you don't file your W-9s? And the, the IRS agent told me flat out, she said, you know, that the, the deduction itself doesn't depend on the 1099 being filed. You can still take the deduction. However... Um, if you don't file your 1099s, there are there are you are subject to penalties. Um, if the IRS comes in and says, "Hey, where are your W9s?" and you can't provide them anything, they're they're going to penalize you for that. That is an excellent comment. I um I uh, don't know if I am uh, envious of the fact you had to have a conversation with an IRS agent, uh, but uh, yeah, probably took that's you four a, that's... hours on the phone. But you got there. Yeah, yeah. you got there. No, I, and I, I talked to some great IRS agents. They're, they're just like anyone else. There's good ones and bad ones. But, no, that is an excellent uh, point. I, uh, on a regular basis, talk with clients who are concerned about the fact they didn't send out 1099s, so they think they lose the write-offs. I've, over the years, have actually been fairly hard-nosed on that topic, where I say, if you don't issue 1099s, you're, you're going to have a hard time taking the write-off. So mm-hmm. that's a very interesting little revelation. Uh, we can't know yeah. it all. So, I, I, you know, this, this is live radio, folks. You know, I, I had no idea you were going to come with that, Rick. Way Good. to throw down. Good, Good stuff. stuff. Good stuff. Now, if you, stuff. Uh, Rick, if you don't get a W-9, um, I think a lot of companies will put their EIN number on a contract, or you'll see it on an invoice sometimes, and that mm-hmm. they're essentially volunteering that information so that you can send them a 1099. Sure. Can you just rely on that, or do you have to have them actually sign the W-9? You know, I don't think so. Um, I, I would think that, to be honest, I don't know off the top of my head, but but the, the IRS they're they're reasonable. They love the word reasonable. If if you if you use reasonable means to gather the information that would be on the 1099, I I, I think you've got a pretty good argument to say, hey, I, I did my best. Well, let me chime in here. I have done the research on this. There is no penalty for not getting a W-9. There's just a penalty for not issuing a 1099. Yes. So yes, as long sense. as you get the info you need, as long as you get the info you need to shoot out that 1099, you're golden. Uh, yep. The W-9 is just a way to gather in a legible format rather than someone's napkin at Denny's. So, right. um, yeah. Good stuff. Well, um, Mark, you did mention something that I wanted to to reiterate is that um, paying your paying your vendors, make it a policy to not pay your vendors until you have that W nine in hand. I think that's a good policy to have. Yeah, and a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you don't need to 1099 me anyway because I'm a corporation." And as we get closer to the end of the year, and this is in my blog, I've got articles that folks you can go back into and look. There's a full article or two on when to issue 1099s and how to issue 1099s and all that. That's not the topic here um, in depth. We could talk about it for probably an hour. Uh, right. But, uh, the, the key point here is that you at least um, are using the W-9 as a resource to get to confirm they're a corporation. Because they may say, right. I'm a corporation. You don't, you're not going to 1099. Well, prove it. Go sign a freaking W-9 right. so exactly. I'm golden. Um, yeah, good stuff. Yep. Well, well, Rick, I want to say thanks. That's a great little tip. Thanks for coming out on the show. Uh, Rick yep. Taylor, you can 
get a hold of him, uh, rick at ke-cpas.com. Uh, any of our little links there to our site, we'll, you'll be able to find Rick and uh, ask for a consultation with him if he needs be. And uh, Rick, thanks for coming out. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rick. All right. Geez, Rick's. Uh, I mean, we're need to call him a regular man. I mean, he's. Uh, yeah. He's he's coming on the show quite often. Always doing a good job. All right. Well, let's jump to our legal tip now, and we want you to uh, know: Is it legal? That's what I'm going to start calling this segment here. Is it legal? So, uh, <laughs> let's bring on Lee Chen. He's coming on to give us the legal tip. Um, Lee is in our Southern California office, and does a lot of business work. Helps clients with litigation. Um, Lee works in a lot of areas, helping a lot of our California clients. So, uh, Lee, give us a tip, please. Hey, Mark, Matt. Hey, it's great to be on the show today. Um, My uh, tip is actually kind of uh, related to Rick's tip, uh, coincidentally. Um, I want to talk about classifying your um, contractors as employee versus independent contractor, Um, or as the issue usually comes up, misclassifying um, your mm. uh, assistance as independent contractors when they might be actually employees. Yeah, great, great topic. This is one you see a lot of business owners, is, and we're talking about today growing your business. Um, how do I grow my business? i got to bring people onto my team. Or am I going to hire employees and pay them like employees? Or am I going to pay them as subcontractors? So, um Great tip, but very timely for today's topic. So what's the difference? I mean, uh, obviously I think a lot of business owners would prefer pay, paying subcontractors, right? Because if it's an employee, i got to pay some Medicare. and i got to do some withholding. It's a little more work for me to pay an employee. But what's the difference between a subcontractor and an employee? Well, the the misconception that I wanted to dispel is a lot of people think that, oh, if I just have an independent contractor agreement that states that they're an independent contractor, then I should be fine. And really, that's um, independent contractors only one of many factors that um, a government entity would, would consider. And I say government entity because this issue can arise in a number of different ways. It can be an IRS agent trying to say that you owe them, you know, a FICA because you didn't, you know, pay into Social Security because they should have been an employee. It could be your state employment agency saying saying the same thing. It could be um, workers' comp coming after you saying that, hey, you should have been uh, insuring this person because they should have been an employee. Um, and, and all of those um, agencies, really, what they look at is not whether you have an independent contractor agreement, but really how much control do you exercise over um, when, where, and how the person does the work. So if I'm well, I think on the more control side, that's the that you're going to be classified as an employee. If it's less control, that's the independent contractor? Generally, yes. And, and what do I mean by control? You know, for example, you know, we have a lot of business owners that, uh, you know, want to hire someone, but they want to, um, you know, classify them as an independent contractor, of course, as, as we mentioned. Uh, but then we have uh, this person who, who they hired, you know, they come to their office, they they have to be there from from you know nine to five. 
They use all of the equipment, you know, at the office, which belongs to the employer. And it's those types of factors that the, the you know, the, the, the agency is going to look at that and say, well, come on, you know, they're using your equipment. You control when they have to be there. They, they can only do it at your office. Um, you know, that's likely going to be an employee situation. And well, when and I, I – yeah. Well, and I just want no, to interject here. I think the, the 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 key factor here, and this, let me just dumb it down for all of us, you know, fifth graders out there, is that it really is the point that if your worker looks like an employee, acts like an employee, is treated like an employee, you just can't call them a subcontractor because it feels good. It's the, the age-old phrase: looks like a rose, smells like a rose. It must be a rose, and that's really kind of that test if for the most part. And I know that many of you listening are frustrated by this. You're like, oh, I need a personal assistant, but I'll just 1099 him. Well, if you treat him like an employee, you're SOL. And I'm not talking statute of limitations. <laughs> so make sure you're, you know, on top of it. <laughs> and and an, easy way, an easy way that I tell people is think of a plumber. A, you call a plumber. The plumber comes whenever the plumber wants to come. They build you. Yeah, they use their true. own tools. You know, they don't use the, you know the pipe wrench that you have in your garage. They use their own tools. They come whenever they want. They have their own insurance. If you want to classify your your you know assistant as an independent contract, you should you know err towards you know treating them like your plumber. Yeah, that's going to get me somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be really effective with that mode of operation. Yeah, yeah, you might not get anything done, but no, no, yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> well, that's oh, a big, nice analogy. Yeah, this is a great topic. So, I really appreciate that, and I, I think uh, it's kind of funny how, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. So, Rick brings up a topic about W nines. You bring up the subcontractor agreement, um, and. It, I, this is just something, again, the small business owner faces all the time. So I'm really grateful you brought this up, Lee. And I know you draft subcontractor agreements for clients if they need them, employment contracts. Again, just treat your workers how they should be treated, and uh, you, you'll be fine. Um, I, I'm going to throw this out, too, from a, from, from a number of folks out there that like numbers. What we've typically seen and estimated over the years is that when you convert your subcontractor to an employee – it costs you about 10% more. By the time you do your matching, your pseudo food FICA workers' comp, uh, unless you're in a high-risk industry where workers' comp rates could be a little higher, you're typically going to see about a 10 to 12% cost. So if you're paying someone 10 bucks an hour, it's really costing you 11 by the time you do your matching and that sort of thing. So $20 is really $22 an hour. So uh, when you convert someone from a subcontractor to an employee, this is where you can negotiate with them and go, hey, I'm going to start with holding. I need to treat you like an employee. It's going to cost me more. Uh, so your pay is going to be reduced to a portion, uh, but you know, you're not going to have to worry about taxes on your end or whatever. Sell it how you may. <laughs> Good luck. But uh, the point is, is plan on about a 10 to 12% cost. So, Okay, well, Lee, thanks so much. Um, you can get a hold of Lee at Lee, L-E-E, -E, at KKOS Lawyers. And as Mark said, he can certainly help with this. Or even consult you on, you know, what are the rules and, you know, how can I treat someone as an independent contractor and just give you a consult quickly on uh, how to treat someone as you're looking to grow your business as we're talking about today and get people involved. So, um, And that's what we really want to talk about today is 
And Lee, did you have anything else you want to chime in? I'm just cutting you off there. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, thanks. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today is how to grow your business. We'll be bringing on our guest, Kelly, here uh, shortly. But what I want to just talk about is maybe give a little preface for this uh, topic as Mark and I are going to get into it. We'll obviously share our thoughts and get questions to our guest. If you do want to email in any questions to be asked, you can email those to me at matt at kkoslawyers.com. But let me just set the stage a little bit about talking about how to grow your business. I want to just give a few preliminary thoughts. And as I said, then we'll bring in our um, guests and Mark gives some thoughts as well. All right. So uh, I think this is something that every business owner faces is you may be a business at $100,000 of revenue. You may be a business at a million dollars of revenue. And so uh, when you're thinking about how do I go from a hundred thousand in revenue to a million in revenue, or how do I go from a million to ten million? Um, we want to talk about how you can analyze your business and find a strategy and a growth model that makes sense for your business. And um, it takes obviously a lot of commitment. It takes some planning, and it takes bringing together some resources on making that happen. So, um, and and obviously there's lots of there's lots of things that we want to talk about today on how you do that. So. Uh, one of the things, first of all, I'm just going to throw a number of basic topics out that will kind of guide the discussion today. Um, we'll get into these more in detail. And as I said, uh, email us if you do have any questions about how to grow your business. But first thing I want to talk about, capital. Um, how do I raise money properly? How can I partner and bring other people in? I might need capital to grow my business. Um, we can talk briefly about um, getting loans and bringing in banks to provide financing. Sometimes that's uh, an option, and there are some SBA loan programs that are available to help you bring in capital. Um, and and I'd like to, marketing. you know, we got to talk about the marketing plan. Uh, this was a, a huge part of my second book, What Your CPA Isn't Telling You. And I know that some of you have, uh, are shocked when you say, I'm going to hold it, take marketing advice for my, <laughs> my lawyers and accountants. You've got to be kidding me. But we really <laughs> feel like we're in a unique position here when we have so many clients that we meet with on a daily basis. We look at so many business plans. We meet with so many clients that are saying, hey, I wanna, I'm going to do this, or I'm gonna, you know, I've got the next best idea to slice bread, and we're like shocked and, oh, okay, that could work out. This could be good, you know, and, and we're a little sometimes surprised at, at their ideas. But we see things that work and see things that don't. And so we've helped clients develop a lot of marketing plans over the years. And uh, so we're going to be highlighting a little bit of that, uh, of that too. So as we move into the second uh, half of the show, we want to kick this off with a special guest. We're really excited to have her with us. Her name's Kelly Roach. She's a business growth strategist, which all of us need. This is good stuff. And uh, Kelly is the senior vice president for a Fortune 500 company. She consistently grew teams and divisions by 50 to 300% in profit, not just sales, but in profit year after year. And she's an expert in record-breaking growth and productivity and profitability. She's now serving as a business growth strategist, a coach, a consultant, and she's helping clients and business owners all over the country. So we were excited to have her with us to talk about some of these tips and strategies as we uh, venture into this area of growth. So uh, Kelly, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Well, okay, I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, Kelly, I mean, I, one of the big questions I wanted to ask is, why would you leave this big, fat, you know, corporate job with all these fringe benefits to go help us small business owners around the country? This is a big shift from the Main Street to the Wall Street, you know, mentality here. What what made you make the leap? Yeah, well, I think, you know, like all of us, um, you know, I think, you know, financial success and outward success is wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I was able to rise up through the corporate ladder extremely quickly, you know, and I, I achieved seven promotions in my first eight years working um, for, you know, that Fortune 500. But, you know, like many people, I got to the point where I was working 14-hour days. I was traveling all over the country, you know, and the demands, you know, kept growing and growing. And I realized I had this really special gift. I had this talent of, of this really um, strong ability to teach people how to rapidly grow their income and, and significantly make leaps in their business really fast. And I said to myself, like, why am I not helping others? Why am I not making an impact on people's families and helping, you know, small businesses and other organizations do this? Because it was replicable. I saw that it was scalable. And um, it kind of gave me an opportunity to uncap my income and, and you know, gain – you know, all the benefits that go with being an entrepreneur, but it also helped bring me, you know, deep fulfillment in terms of, you know, the, the impact that I was able to make and, and how I'm helping people, you know, that that's very meaningful. Um, you know, obviously when you grow your business, it, it directly impacts your family and especially when you're focused on doing it in such a way that you're not increasing your working hours. And that's the key thing. You know, it's one thing to kill yourself working, you know, 60 plus hour work weeks and destroying your relationships. It's another thing to increase your profit and to do it without mm -hmm. increasing your working hours. Well, and I have always said that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you work less. It's a lot easier on your family. So this is great for you probably. Um, mm -hmm. I'm being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah, I like actually, Kelly, how you set this out on your on your website. You, you talk about entrepreneurs. You've crossed the bridge. Now just where is the freedom that they promised? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people buy in. Hey, I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to control my life and do whatever I want. No, it just means you're the one that always has to be there and get something mm -hmm. done. And um, so, and I think this is really cool because this is where you come in and really help people to say, all right, you've got a business started and you're t totally involved in that business. Maybe you're overcommitted. You're not letting things go. For whatever reason, you're not it's stagnant. I don't, I don't know what the reasons could be, but... You want that freedom. You want to grow the business. You want to start enjoying the benefits of that business. So where do you start with someone who's in that spot? They've got a small business started, but they want to break out of it. They want to make more money. They want to grow it. They want to have that real freedom that we're supposed to have as entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So, you know, the starting point, you know, is a little bit different with every client. But what I will tell you is there's two things that I tell my clients over and over again about growing their business. And the first one is it's so simple, it's silly. And the second one is, is that success is scientific. And I'll tell you what I mean by both of those things. When I start working with someone new, it takes me less than 10 minutes to understand and identify exactly why their business isn't growing and what they need to change immediately to make an impact in the next 90 days in terms of their income. And I find this with companies that are from the startup phase all the way up through my clients that are in the 15, 20, 50 million dollar range. And yes, it looks different dependent on the level that the client's at and the stage of growth that they're in, but it still comes back to the same thing. If it can't be jotted down on a legal pad, 
then it's too complicated and, and you're actually making – you're standing in your own way. So, now, you know, that's the first you, thing is – go ahead. And, bef- and before you get to that scientific point, this is very interesting. So you feel like in that first 10 minutes or so of an interview with an entrepreneur – and you know they're going to they're there to fully disclose and talk with you you're not having to you know extract yeah. it out of them but but you're saying in 10 minutes they most small business owners are transparent enough and you can figure out what their problem is from growing just in that short interview what are things you've seen give us a, i mean like what would be an example of that i'd love that i mean that's way oh, cool oh absolutely you... yeah no absolutely um and you know part of it is obviously i'm doing this all day long you know right, that's right. what i do is i analyze businesses and and so that you know part of that repetition obviously allows me to do that super quickly but you know let's talk about some of the things you know obviously at the heartbeat um many times is the sales and marketing Okay, so that's, you know, that's obviously a big one. Another one is pricing. Oh, my goodness. You know, I cannot tell you how many clients, I would say nine out of ten clients, that one of the first things that I do with them is roll out a price increase and repackage their services and bundle the packages appropriately and reposition them um, from a communication and a, and a presentation standpoint in terms of how they're going to market. So sales and marketing is huge. Pricing is huge. Infrastructure infrastructure. So, you know, I I find that um, it's really not sexy and exciting to work on the systems in your business and the processes, and no one really wants to spend time on that. They feel like, you know, they want to work on all those external shiny things that seem like they're going to be the next big breakthrough, when in reality, if, if if the building is built on a house of cards, you know, eventually it's going to blow over. So infrastructure is huge. And then I would say well, the other the other big one is people. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, I just interject. It's really funny that you just brought this up and how quickly you could identify problems in pricing or their service package. Um just this week, and my wife and I were actually laughing about it this week, we had an electrical problem in our garage. I, I, we, we weren't getting electricity to several outlets. It was causing problems with our freezer in the garage. And we call in this electrician and – and I'm like, can you just fix it? I just need it fixed. You know, the guy charges us 75 bucks, leaves 20 minutes later, which is cool, that's fine. And of course, two hours later, the breakers blow, still not fixed. And I'm like, and so I call him up. I'm like, what's the problem? And he's like, well, you really probably should have done this, this, or this. I'm like, just do it. Just charge me. Right. Right. And in, in my mind, I was ready to pay three to four hundred bucks. You know, and I was like dude, just fix it, you know? And I'm like, I'll pay whatever. And so he comes back out to my place. This was yesterday. Comes back out. And then, sorry, Kelly, this is right, plays right into your point though. But he comes back out and then he doesn't even charge me. And he, he changed some outlets around and goes, yeah, I think that fixed it. You're good to go. And I'm like, no charge. He's like, no, that's cool. And I'm like, and he drives off. I'm like, what type of business are you running here? This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You are a terrible business owner. Dude, you could have soaked me for 500 bucks. I don't know mm-hmm. what's you – know, you know, and, and I – but Matt, isn't that true? We see so many business owners uh, that they just don't yeah. price their stuff. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's shocking. Not, not, a, not a little pun there. I got lots of puns today. I don't know what's in me, but <laughs> that uh, was shocking. shocking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really interesting. And, um, you know, you, you talk about the pricing and, and you talk about um, the strategy there. And actually, you brought up a really, really important point. And this is something that I work with clients along as well. I, I, I find that business owners are very naive. And what I mean by that is they think that they are getting all the spend that their client has. 
they think that their client knows everything mm-hmm. that they do, and if they were spending in that area, that they would be spending with them. And over and over again, when I'm working with my clients, we uncover thousands of dollars that their clients, who they think are exclusive with them or who they think would come to them as soon as they have a need, are spending those dollars elsewhere because they simply don't know that they do that. It wasn't top of mind. They hadn't followed up. And and so exactly what you just said where, you know, you mentioned this guy could have charged you 500 bucks, he charged you 75 you know, it plays back to the pricing where people are assuming that they aren't able to charge higher and, and if they charge that, their clients are walk, which is absolutely untrue. And, and then coupled with that is thinking that you have the wallet share at your clients. I mean, one of the easiest ways for any business to grow is to simply do more quality assurance calls. And my customers are blown away by the thousands of dollars that they uncover sitting in their current accounts because they don't take the time to do customer service calls and actually speak with their clients. And then when they begin doing that or they have their team do that, they realize, oh, wow, you know, here's what's really going on. You know what I mean? That's it. Calls for everybody. All my listeners, you're getting a call this week. There you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what a great point, how to know what you're succeeding at and doing well at, what you need to improve on, then asking the people who have already experienced your service and paid for it. Um, Well, you mentioned people, and I want to talk about this a little bit, about you know, getting the right people involved or maybe even making changes with people. Um, and maybe you can give us an example or, you know, of, of a company you've worked with or something you've analyzed and, and realized there was problems with people or they need to make a change on people. Oh, goodness. Um, so much so often. Uh, where do I start? Well, you know, I think the first thing, I think the first step for any small business owner is to realize that, number one, your people's success is 80% dependent upon you. And one of the biggest misnomers out there is that the employee is going to succeed or fail if you make the right hire in your business, and that's absolutely not true. It's the onboarding, it's the training, it's the coaching, it's the accountability, and it's the development and then the incentivizing that determines whether that person is able to deliver for you at their peak potential and make the impact that you're looking for them to have on your business. If you hire the best person in the world, which, I mean, I always train people, I say, you know, you know, higher character, train skill anyway. But even if you hire the best technical, you know, person in terms of execution that you possibly can for your business, um, if they're not motivated or engaged in what you're doing there, you know, and, and, you know, aren't really bought into what's happening, you know, how much are you going to get out of them? No, that was a well, great point there because I, I already jumped to – hiring the right person and getting rid of the people that aren't the right people. And you brought up a really good point there about um, training the people you have and also incentivizing them, um, which I think are uh, really good points. I mean, I I think we want to have employees working in our businesses that are trained well and and reflecting on those training programs, but also incentivized to perform and excel in the things that make a difference in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, maybe that's part of that scientific point, Kelly, that you were going to bring bring up a moment earlier. Is is that it really is? I just to lead off of what Matt's saying, it is like an equation. If you're going to have workers, they better be doing things that has a direct result in either sales or lower costs or something. Or explain your your scientific 
equation. I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I, one of the things that I teach all of my clients is how to create a metrics-based growth system. And what I show them is how putting a, a sales and marketing plan in place that's metrics-based, meaning that, you know, there there's mathematical numbers that back into the number of new accounts that you want to close each week. And then basically, if you consistently execute that plan on the front end, it's going to deliver on the back end. But that can only happen Mm -hmm. if you are coaching and training and developing your people. And so one of the points that you just brought up, I I want to circle back to, which is, you know, um, yes, incentivizing them. But I find that small business owners are really afraid of holding people accountable. And they don't want to invest their time in measuring their employees' results and and meeting with their employees or contractors or whatever the case. And that is a huge mistake. And I find that, um, just like you said, with an employee, you are responsible for identifying how they're contributing to your bottom line. And I come across a lot of businesses where their employees are an expense to them. Now, is that the employee's fault or is that the business owner's fault? And I 100% hold a business owner accountable for that because you're the one that's creating the job description. You're the one that's giving the daily direction. You're the one that's either holding them accountable or not and setting them up in such a way that's either going to get them productive and profitable or not. Does that make sense? Yes. And let me mention, if I could, on this metrics, because, Kelly, you don't know a lot of our listeners and, and kind of our demographics, but I I could – you know, attest to the fact that many, many of you listening today are solo entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. You don't have employees. And so you may think, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. And so I want to just make sure we keep in perspective here that even if you're flying solo and you are running your own small business and you don't have a team of two, five, or 20 employees to train and supervise You have to hold yourself accountable, too, to say, okay, if I want 10 sales this month, then I've got to make uh, 100 phone calls that are going to result in 20 visits that will result in 10 sales. And we track those same metrics on ourselves in a little journal that we pick up at Staples on the way out the door, one of those little moleskin journals, and we're tracking what we're doing. Because, again, I just see so many small business owners that – just open the door and run out and think the business is going to fall in their lap or they do things that don't really result in a sale and metrics apply to the solopreneur as much as the employee the employer employee situation i Kelly, would would you attest to that yourself, or do you think I'm out in oh my field? Goodness. I apologize. Oh no, no, no! I mean, I, I work with solopreneurs as well in my business, and and I implement that strategy across the board, whether it's with a business owner and they're going to be teaching this to their team, or a solopreneur that's getting off the ground. And just to double back on what you just said and how important it it, it really is for the solopreneur. It's you following that metric system that's going to get you in a position of profitability to be able to hire a team around you. And I find that that is a big struggle with, you know, solopreneurs is getting to the point where you can afford without worrying that you're going to be in the red or without worrying, you know, if you're going to be able to pay the bills at the month, afford to get help in your business at whatever level you are seeking it. So following those metrics are are really going to be what gets you to that next level and and enables you to get the help that you want and you need in your business. And also, it's, it's really a huge stress reliever. And what I mean by that is, 
when you start following a metric system and you stick to it every single week and you start to see that, you know, if I make X number of dials, I'm going to get, you know, X number of conversations from those conversations. I'm going to get X number of phone or in-person meetings, and from that I'm going to close a certain number of clients. Well, that removes that removes that fear and that stress and that anxiety of how am I going to get that next client or I need to close two more clients this month in order to, you know, pay the bills or whatever the case because then you have control. You know, then you know what you need to do. You can pump Mm -hmm. more into the front end at any moment and you can increase your results on the back end. Let's jump back to we've talked a lot about people here and – I love the pricing comments you had, too, but I want to jump back to sales and marketing. Um, That was one of the big topics you said you go over with business owners is sales and marketing strategies. Um, What are some of the things people are doing wrong right now in sales and marketing? Um, Maybe some traps you see that some small business owners fall into in sales and marketing. Maybe it's old strategies or they get in a rut about just doing something wrong or maybe not doing some key things. What are some, some of the common problems you see with people in sales and marketing? Sure, absolutely. Well, I think that, um, you know, there's different problems at different stages of building your business. So, you know, one of the things that I've been seeing a lot recently with my solopreneurs, and I'll go to that since a lot of the people in the audience are, are in that category, is, you know, obviously with the rise of Internet marketing and with Facebook and with Instagram and Twitter and all of these things, you know, everybody wants to get in that game and, and everybody wants to, you know, grow their business at the click of a button and, and you know, generate clients that way. And, you know, I, I always stress to my clients that it's very important to understand that different strategies are going to be effective or ineffective in your business dependent upon the stage of building that you're in. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of entrepreneurs seeing a big name on the Internet or a big name, you know, advertising a certain strategy. And they think that this strategy is going to be the strategy and and they're going to do this in their business and they're going to invest their money in it and it's going to work and it's going to be the turnaround game. And what happens is, is, you know, for example, I'll just give an example. Okay. So let's, let's say that you're, let's say that you're a newer entrepreneur and, um, you know, you don't have, you know, a very big list. You have a list of, you know, maybe 200 people or whatever. And, um, you know, you haven't really been sending out, you know, stuff every single week and whatever, and you see that, um, you know, people are, are selling info products online, and that's, you know, the huge thing, and you can, you know, sell info products, and if you just sell an info product, you're not going to have to pick up the phone, you're not going to have to meet with people, that's going to be, you know, the way that you're going to run your online business, and, and, you know, everything will be beautiful from there. Well, you know, obviously, you know, info products are a lead generation tool that help warm clients up and and then get them sold into higher level products, right? And to actually make money on info products, you have to have a list that's both responsive and um, is is at the size from a scale standpoint that, you know, if you're selling $100, $200, even $500 items, think about how many sales you need to get to your profitability goals and ask yourself, you know, if 2% of my list is going to buy this product that I'm offering, where is that going to put me in terms of the goal that I have and where I'm at? And and I, I find a lot of times that there's just a mismatch between 
where we're focusing our energy and effort and where we actually are and what strategies need to be done at that phase in building the business. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah and I, you know, point. I want to add a great point. And I, I wanna, this is Mark and Kelly. You want to echo what you just said here. And Matt brings up a great point. What are the mistakes people are making in marketing? But I think one entrepreneur's situation may be a, a critical item another entrepreneur should be implementing. And I like how you yes. said, Kelly, it comes down to timing. Where yes. that, that marketing strategy at different times could be premature or it could be too late and you're not doing something. Um, great comments, Kelly. Like that timing point. Yeah, and I think just reminding everyone, and I remind my clients of this all the time because I think this is so, so important, which is that, you know, they see people that are where they want to be in their business. So you obviously all of us have our mentors, we have our role models, we have people that we aspire to, you know, take our business in the same trajectory and the same path that they're on. And it's what I want to remind everyone of that's listening is that, you know, what that person that's running, you know, that seven-figure business is doing right now today is a world of difference from what that person did when they're trying to get their first yep. 100 clients yep. or hire their first employee. When they were trying to get their first 100 clients, they were hustling. They were making phone calls. They were going to meetings. They were doing coffees. They were going to events. They were flying across the country. They were doing – They were what, what my one client, Chris, says, and I'll quote him, he says, they built the, the, the muscle for the hustle. Okay, so well, you know, mm -hmm. just because they're able to click a button now and send an email and generate multi-thousand dollar sales, you're not there yet. You'll get there, but don't yeah, try to well, do what it, they're doing 15 years before they were able to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, totally. And it's not that the guy or gal that's making six or seven figures now isn't currently hustling. They're just hustling different things, and it doesn't mean mm -hmm. their business is better than you or their marketing plans better. It's just matured to a different type of marketing emphasis. And exactly. Always, and I would say this to all my listeners out there: there is something. I'm going to make a challenge right now to anybody you know listening to the show right now. I, now, if you're driving, you can't do this. Don't close your eyes. But for those that have the ability, close your eyes for a minute. And here would be my challenge for you. Close your eyes for a minute, and I challenge you to think of what is that one thing I should be doing right now to create more sales in my business. And I swear, I bet all of you know what it is. You just may not want to do it, or you think I have time to do it. But in reality, it's what you should be doing as soon as the show's over. And you know what it is. You just don't. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's just so tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and hopefully we've got the juices flowing. You've got some stuff coming to mind. You know, and we always sit on this show, I'm always thinking about stuff. And it's hard for me to not think about it for myself, but I'm always thinking, God, some of that, those pricing comments I thought were really on point. Um, and, and I hope there's a lot of takeaways that those of you who've been listening today can get from this show about how you can grow your business. And, um, and Kelly, you've been awesome. How do people get to know you and, and reach out to you? I know you have a website. Um, any other things you want to let people know about you? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I would love everyone listening to grab my free ebook, which is Automation Secrets. And that's by, basically where I.
you my top seven things that I automate in my business and how I use that to leverage my time and to increase my profitability in the business. And, you know, I, I see those things really working for my clients right now, and I want to share them with as many people as possible. So you can just go to www.automation-secrets.com. So it's just automation dash secrets dot com and if you're really excited about what you see there and you're like oh my gosh I want to have a conversation with you like how can I make changes in my <laughs> business I really want to make a leap before the end of the year um, you can go to kellyroachcoaching.com forward slash start and apply for a conversation with me well I want you to know I'm signing up right now if you heard typing in the background I need to automate <laughs> awesome, I love it. so I'm, <laughs> I'm automating now I'm going to freaking good do stuff. it so, good stuff yeah I love it look at the red shoes those are power shoes you know. Thank you. Yeah, you got to have yeah. a little bit of fun, you oh, know? Yeah. yeah. See, us guys, we wear the red fun. power tie. Yeah. The power yeah. tie for us. You got the power shoes. There you go. Mark yeah, wears a, uh, a pink shirt and a um, Mr. Rogers sweater. That's his attire he no, has to put on uh, his marketing. Uh, you know, is this payback for the, the, the electric guitar comment early on? Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. this is yeah too many electric guitar jam sessions you know that wasn't even funny Matt I don't even think it was funny. No. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Kelly, you've been amazing. These have been such great ideas. Um, so uh, I want to repeat that www.automation-secrets.com. Of course, everyone, you can go to kellyroachcoaching.com and to learn more about Kelly. And um, gosh, uh, any final words of wisdom? A little takeaway. Wait, here's we walk out the door, you know, just like, you know, as Brian Regan may say, no more dairy. You know, what what, what do we have to do? You know, what are you going <laughs> to sprinkle you know, some words I, of wisdom? I would say the biggest, uh, the biggest piece of advice that I would give business owners out there today is keep it simple. Just keep it simple and, you know, really pick three intentions for the day and work at those intentions and, you know, ideally things that are going to move your, your profit and your income forward um, in the fastest, most efficient way possible. And, you know, just never stop believing in your dreams. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's the small decisions ultimately that are the big ones. Well, we're nice. by. Yeah, got to love it. So. Kelly Roach, thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to have you back sometime. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. You guys are hilarious. And, um, <laughs> no, I, w I would love to come back on the show. Let me know Let me know when, and I'll be here. Oh, will do. Thank you. Uh, well, again, everyone, kellyroachcoaching.com, and we will certainly have her back in the future. Good stuff. Gosh, what an honor to have her on the show. And um, – I just want to say here in conclusion a couple important points. And look at your calendar for the summer. It's a great tax write-off opportunity. Uh, Matt Sorensen is going to be later this month in Sacramento, California. And beautiful time in June to go up to Sacramento. Go hit the wine country and stop by and catch a little seminar with Matt. Take a tax off for the trip. I'll be in New York City the end of the month in June. Uh, now, if you're anxious before then to catch either one of us, you can go to beautiful Riverside, California. So, I mean, that's a, <laughs> a, you know, who would turn that down? Yeah, It's convenient if you're in SoCal. At least it's convenient. Yeah. Oh, and I, I feel I just always offended several of our Riverside listeners, but uh, we love Dave Boswell out there hosting Matt and I both next week for some workshops. And on our newsletter, you can get, see the links on where to go. Um, don't forget your estate plan, folks. Get it coordinated. Bring your tax and land together. You're not going to live forever. Let's get it done. And, uh, Gosh, we'll be here next week. So, I mean, 
good stuff every week. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Really enjoyed the topic today. Hope you did as well. We will see you next week, same time, same channel. Keep living the dream. Don't give up.